Peace. What's happening, good people? This gift here for Pay Us No Mind. And let's talk about music NFTs. What are they? Why do people buy them? Should you buy them? Should you sell them as an artist? What sense do they make? How do they compare to digital downloads and Spotify streams and all of this stuff that we got going on in the music industry currently? We're going to dive into that, man. Do some critical analysis of this whole NFT thing and, 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 and try to assess whether it's something that makes sense for artists to do, fans to buy. You know, what's, it, what's its place within this music landscape and all of that good stuff, you know? But first, this video is sponsored by Soundfly, where you can pay a monthly fee to gain access to an unlimited number of courses taught by industry professionals and learn things like how to unlock your creativity, improve your vocal performance, crowdfund, and more. All things that can help you take your music career to the next level. For 15% off, you can use the passcode PAYUSNOMIND. Links in the description box, cards, and end screens. Music NFTs. Now, there are a few things that give music NFTs value. I would say about five things that give them value, that separate them from everything else that we got going on. You know, from iTunes downloads and things of that nature. There's five things that separate them. And we're going to go through those five things right now. So let's check it out. Right? Number one is decentralized storage. All right, you got decentralized storage. Now, what do I mean by decentralized storage? Y'all know, and y'all remember back in the file sharing days where people were watching movies online. Not that I'd know anything about that, you know, pirating movies. But people used to use websites like, uh, what you call it, LimeWire, and uh, what was the other one, Morpheus, or... Uh, what was the other one? You had a lot of them. Uh, we know Napster for movies, but there was a lot of different platform, different services for digital downloads that you could like illegally download movies on and stuff like that. Now, those digital download, illegal down file sharing sites rather were, were centralized. So what that means is that the cops, the government could shut down the, their servers, the place that, that, that those files were stored on, and everybody loses access because they're all being uploaded to one place. You shut that down, you lose access. Now, in the same sense, that's what uh, iCloud and Dropbox and Google Drive, they are centralized storage places for people to store their digital files. You store your digital file on iCloud and, 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 and Google Drive and Dropbox, things of that nature, and people cannot, or, or once those things are stored in those places, right now you have access to them wherever you go. So you do not need to have your phone with you like your, your, uh, your music files stored on your phone when you leave your house. You do not have to be able to access your physical hard drive on your computer when you leave your house because you can sign in to iCloud or Dropbox or whatever have you, wherever you are, and gain access to your files. The issue is that 
it's centralized. And the same way they could shut down the uh, file sharing sites is the same way they could shut it down with decentralized storage platforms. So if a government says that we don't like whatever per this person is saying or whatever their whatever message they're presenting, like how you got ideological diversion laws in some of these countries where we don't want people thinking a particular way. This music makes them think that way. We want to remove access to that music when there is a centralized digital uh, storage place. All they got to do is go to Apple, go to Google. Go to whoever owns Dropbox, say, yo, remove this file from your from your, your uh, servers. Once that file is removed from the servers, nobody else got access to it. Now, you can download it and have it on your physical, your hard drive or your phone, but no more cloud access, no more mobility where you could just go out without having it stored on your phone, eating up storage space and things of that nature. That would be dead if they took it off of their servers. Now, with decentralization, going back to the file sharing thing, we moved on from Napster and centralized servers to BitTorrent. Now, BitTorrent was a platform that chopped up movie files into smaller pieces and scattered those pieces all over the world. And when you went to download a movie, all of those pieces got downloaded individually to your computer and put 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 together for you to watch one movie now what that made made the situation like is that the government didn't have one place to shut down in order to shut down BitTorrents, they would have to find every computer that held every piece of the 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 uh the movie or the audio file to shut it down if they couldn't locate every computer then they couldn't shut it down there wasn't just one place that they could do they, they that they could go to to shut it down which is what has us has has us where we are now with file sharing which is like they can't stop it people are going to do it they can't shut it down so now they just have your uh internet service provider punish you they monitor you they say hey you've been downloading illegal files uh we're going to slap you on the wrist or that's what they were doing before three strikes and then after three strikes they start throttling throttling your speed and things of that nature but you have you had that right now in a similar fashion that we had BitTorrent, that's what decentralization is with NFTs. You have a digital file. That file is broken up and stored on random computers around the world where nobody can go to one central place and shut it down. So it's censorship proof in a way. Now, I don't know what censorship proof music means to the average music fan and whether that's something that they value, whether you say, hey, well, man, you know, this music file, nobody can take it down and strip it away from you. And whether the music fan says, well, that sounds incredible. Oh, I'll take three of those, you know, because I mean, people are streaming music through Spotify and things of that nature where Spotify takes it off of their servers and it's gone. And they use that because they rather than buying music, which would give them a level of ownership. So it doesn't seem like people care too much about whether they own something or whether they have constant access to it. So from that standpoint, I don't know how much value decentralization carries. Now, the next thing is scarcity and authenticity. Now you got scarcity and you got authenticity and why I put both of these things up here together. Why I put both of these things up here together is because they go hand in hand. So it's like with digital content, 
There is no such thing as scarcity. There is unlimited supply. If I wanted to email a friend a copy of a digital file, it would just duplicate itself. Anytime somebody sends a cop, sends someone a digital file, it duplicates itself. I got it and you got it. If that person sends it to another person, he, him and that other person has it. It never leaves the possession of the owner. So because of that, you can't never really have scarcity and people don't get the point of how can a digital item be scarce? Well, authenticity. You can have a copy, but is it an authentic copy? Now, how is digital content authenticated? You think about software programs. If I download uh, Adobe Photoshop, I open it up, it's gonna ask me to input a registration number. If I don't have the registration number, I can't use the version of Photoshop that I have. So something like Adobe, Adobe could say, hey, we're only gonna issue 100 registration numbers. And what that means is only 100 people will be able to use Photoshop. Now, if there is 1,000 people that wanna use Photoshop, they could all, I could send a copy to all 1,000 of them, but if they don't have the registration number, they can't use it. So that's what allows digital, digital content to be scarce. Authenticity, whether it's at the actual uh, uh, authenticated version. Now, there is really no way to authenticate uh, digital files outside of NFTs. It would really be complicated to pull something like that off. It would be have to be like in a centralized place, like like within Apple or something like that, where they have everybody's name and you know can tie things to them. But in the wild west of the internet, there's no way. Now, with NFTs, you have serial numbers effectively because they, they they don't call them serial numbers they call them token ids but they're, they're they're effectively serial numbers now these serial numbers are unique numbers tied to these nfts so you buy an nft you have a unique serial number that identifies that nft as your property and anybody could right click save an image download an audio file but they don't have that serial number and not having that serial number means that they don't have an authentic copy. And we'll get to what that means or the value that that brings later. But the fact that you have this unique number presents the, the uh, uh, ability to authenticate a digital item, which allows the possibility of scarcity with digital products. So you can come out and say, hey, I'm only gonna do 1,000 uh, items of, of my, my, my next single or 100 items of my next album or whatever have you and just issue 100 serial numbers or 1,000 serial numbers and you've got scarcity. Now, the value of scarcity is the fact that once demand exceed supply then you have increased value so you look at things like the teletubby craze you look at things like tickle me elmo and how that got crazy with everybody char uh, charging crazy prices for it you even look at things like ticket scalpers and concert tickets where once the concert tickets sell out the scalpers get the scalping you know and get out getting out there and gouging people for the ticket prices so a ticket that might have sold for thirty dollars on Ticketmaster would be going for hundreds of dollars on the street once people are out there desperate to get a ticket to get in to see the show so 
That's what scarcity does. When when only but only when demand exceeds supply. When there is too much supply, then you know scarcity is not really gonna make an impact because you could have a supply of only a thousand, but if there's only a thousand people that demand a copy, then it's a wash. Nobody's gonna be able to sell that to anybody else for more money than what they bought it for. Now, the next thing is music as an asset. So you look at uh, authenticity and scarcity and the fact that you have authenticity and scarcity is what allows the music to be an asset. Because now, like I said, where demand exceeds supply, then it carries value and you can sell it for more money in the same way that you flip a house or something like that. You buy an NFT cheap when you when they do these pre-sales or whatever have you you get it for fifty dollars ten dollars right that artist goes on to become successful down you can sell it to whoever else wants it the 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 uh 900 people or whatever that missed out on the release now you can sell your copy to them for more money than what you bought it for so now you have an asset that is might or might be appreciating and value so that's one another aspect of nfts then you look at ownership, all of those things together. You look at uh, the, 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 the aspect, not so much decentralized storage, but you look at things like authenticity, scarcity. Uh, uh, you got authenticity, scarcity, and the fact that it, those things make music an asset. And together, they take ownership to a whole nother level. Ownership of music to a whole nother level because now people have something that can appreciate and gain value that they could resell down the line for more money, right? Now, the other thing with this that you look at and you try to kind of like figure out is this. Whether that is something, and let me bring that up. I'm not even gonna change that. Let's, let's bring that back. Whether these things are something that fans value again like music is not something music is not something that people kind of think about in a sense of money where it's like oh yes i'm gonna buy this guy's cd and then what's in my head is flipping this cd for more money people don't think like that with music people say hey here's an artist i love his music i'm buying his music because i want to hear it <laughs> i want to hear his music on cd I want to hear his music on vinyl because I enjoy listening to vinyl. Uh, people don't value digital downloads, so they, they don't care about that. When it comes to digital, they'll stream it. I gain access to it. Now, the whole thing is whether fans would value and be incentivized by money like that or whether it's just like a nice bonus. Like, oh, that's that's nice. That's, that's cool. Like, really? Because first off, fans have to believe that it's really a possibility, something that could really happen. If fans don't believe that it's really a possibility and something that can really happen, then it's a wash and it doesn't really go anywhere. Now, the reason why fans might not look at NFTs and really think much of them is because they say, what am I getting? What is it? You know, they know, hey, music, cover art, that's like, the same thing that I, would, that, I would, that I would buy with a digital download. That's like the same thing I would get with Spotify. What separates this from that? And that is the fact that the fact of, the fact of the matter is they're not really, it's not like you're buying a song. 
it's more like a collectible. The only thing is that not a lot of artists are putting them out there like collectibles. They're just putting them out there like another song, but they're effectively collectibles. And what it is, is more than anything, I would say it kind of resembles a stock. So people say, well, what am I getting? You think about a stock. What are you getting when you buy a stock? What are you getting when you buy a stock? I mean, I could, I could pull something up on my phone right now, right? Like I could pull up Robinhood on my phone right now. Let's do that. Let me pull up Robinhood on my phone right now. And let's see. I could pull in. I could, or I could, you could look at something like Robinhood where people buy stocks. People buy uh, Peloton stock, for instance. And you say, okay, well, what do you get when you purchase Peloton stock? What do you get? Do you get the ability to get a free Peloton? No, you do not. Do you get the ability to get Peloton uh, bikes at a discounted rate? No, you do not. Do you get the ability to make a make make influence or influence any decisions that the organization makes? No, you do not. Do you get a percentage of the revenue that Peloton makes? No, you do not. You do not get anything from a stock other than the ability to resell it. Now, people who create stocks can give derivative if they choose, but people who make NFTs can do that as well, you know, through different methods. But effectively, all in all, when you buy a stock, you don't get anything except the, the uh, 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 something that you can resell, hopefully for more money than what you bought it for. And that's effectively what you get when you get it in, when you buy an NFT, something that you can sell for more than what you bought it for, hopefully. Now, the difference with the stock with stocks and NFTs and why people kind of look at them differently and say, okay, well, they might value a stock more than an NFT is the exchange. You have the stock exchange and a stock exchange kind of dictates value. So you can go to your Robin Hood or go to the NASDAQ and see how much is Peloton stock worth and see Peloton is, oh, that's, uh, I bought it at $5. Now it's at 10. And then the other aspect of it is the fact that it's can be liquidated easily. So you got a hundred dollars in Peloton stock. You can just hit sell and it's old and you got your hundred hundred dollars. Whereas you think about NFTs and with NFTs, you buy it, but now you got to find a marketplace and whether there is anybody that wants to buy it from you and things of that nature, which is like, oh, adds more risk to it. Like I bought it, but I don't know if I could resell this, which kind of like if somebody is buying it as an investor would give you pause, right? Buying it as an investment. Now, fans might not care because they didn't buy it as an item to flip in the first place. But at the same time, NFTs do have something like a stock exchange. It's called OpenSea. And if we take a look at OpenSea, let's go to OpenSea and we can see something here. All right, OpenSea to see. Now, if you look at OpenSea, what you see here, you see a uh, floor price and the floor price is like the stock price that tells you the minimum amount that this NFT is selling for. That's what that tells you. That NFT, the minimum price is 0.22 ETH. That, so that's the least 
you can sell it for. Now, then you got activity and activity is where you can see whether they're actually selling. Is anybody buying them? You can see this person bought one five days ago and somebody else bought another copy six days ago and how much they bought it for to know that they actually sell. If people are buying them, you know you should be able to sell your copy. Now, I'm gonna uh, show y'all something else, right? Because I bought an NFT. I bought an NFT uh, this week. It was uh, these, these six rings NFTs from Jordan. Michael Jordan did a, 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 a NFT drop where he put out these bulls commemorating his seasons in the NBA. And I'm going to show y'all uh, what I did. Yeah. So I hope y'all can hear me. Yeah, man. So I purchased this NFT. I purchased this NFT and I bought it for $188, right? I bought this NFT for $188. And when I bought it, my wife was wondering like, can we resell these? And I'm like, yeah, there's a floor price. You see the minimum price that you could resell it for. But her question was, well, how, well, just because people are selling it at a particular price doesn't mean anybody is buying. So it's like, all right, cool. Well, you already made the investment. I spent about 188 a piece. I bought two. So it's like, all right, let me see if I could at least make my money back. So the floor price was about $700, $800. That's the minimum price that people were reselling it for in a secondary market. So I put it up for sale and it sold. So my $188 turned into $700, $800, somewhere around there. Now, I bought two. So I made back the money that I spent on both with the sale of one plus profit. And I still got the other one. So that kind of showcases the value in NFTs as well as the fact that people are buying them. And what you see when you look at the floor price and the activity kind of like tells you, all right, yeah, you can resell them and that you're not going to get stuck with them if you, you buy them. You know, you're not going to be stuck with them. Now, the other aspect of this, man, is the fact that people do not like there's a rule, right? That people say you only gamble what you can afford to lose or you give what you can afford to lose. So it's like in a sense of music NFTs, it's a gamble. The same way the stock exchange is a gamble. The same way going to Vegas is a gamble. You say, I think this thing is going to increase in value and you buy some and hope that you're right with your guess. Now, people do not want to gamble more than they can afford to lose. So the more risky the gamble, the less people want to spend. The more that something seems like it's a sure bet and they're guaranteed to make their money on, the more they'll spend. If somebody is guaranteed to flip, they'll spend a lot. They'll put a lot of money in because it's like, well, I, I know I'm almost guaranteed to make this back. So the more people got to put in, the more risk, the less people have to put in, the less risk. Now, the problem with NFTs is the language 
and the whole culture of it is for artists, get what you're worth. That's what everybody's talking about. This is, you know, Spotify pays you this much. Uh, digital downloads are that much. iTunes take 30%. Artists are getting robbed. You need to get what you're worth. So that language creates this idea in artists' heads that, yo, you know what I got to do? I got to charge what I feel like my work is worth. So artists see other artists charging like $300 for their NFTs, $400 for their NFTs, these large amounts of money. And they feel like, well, this is the rate. This is me telling people what my music is worth. So they come in and they say, all right, well, I'm going to put up an NFT and I'm going to sell it for $300. Now, as a fan, you come in and you look at that and you say $300. That is a risky gamble. If somebody is not a known artist that you're sure somebody else is going to want another, is going to want that copy from you for more than what you bought it for. Because if it's a new artist and there's 1,000 copies, you don't know if that artist got more than 1,000 fans. You have no clue. So it's a risky bet to say, I'm going to spend $300 on an NFT. So a part of the struggle with artists with trying to sell their NFTs is the fact that too expensive. They price them too high. People do not get to make safe bets. And with fans, they're not buying this for the flip no way. They're buying it as a collector's item. And they not going to come in and be like, oh, let me buy this for $300, $400, because to a fan, it's just a difference in the mindset. If you are selling something for $10 or $20 even, then it's like, okay, cool. That makes sense. It's like a button or something like that. You know, if you are selling something for $300, $400, then that makes me think of it more like an investment. And when I start turning my investment head on, now I'm looking at return on investment. And what's the possibility that I'm going to get a return, that this artist is going to grow and become somebody, and I'm going to have something that's going to grow in value. And I'm, I'm looking for that. And if I don't see that, then I can't justify spending $300 on you. Now, the value with NFTs is the fact that there's a secondary market. So if an artist sells an NFT for $10, and then a fan goes and flips that NFT for $300, the artist can get 20%, 10%, 30% of that resale. So the artist doesn't really miss out by pricing their NFTs affordably. It's just that a lot of artists, maybe they don't even have faith in themselves and the idea that their NF, their music is going to grow in value and they're going to be a uh, bigger artist. So they're trying to make their money in the front. Right. Like I want you to give me three hundred dollars right now and you take the hit if I don't ever become what I feel like I'm going to become. Not me. You know, the other way around is, hey, I get the fan to benefit and they'll be able to make money and, you know, uh, I'll benefit on the back end. But initially the fan gets the reward. They get something that they can flip, you know, so it's, 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 it's that kind of dynamic. Now, when it comes to the value of it, uh. You think about it, the value of it from a fan perspective. Like, I don't know if y'all know this, but Spotify, with things like editorial playlists, they spy on their listeners. The listeners don't even know that they're being monitored to this extent, right? Allegedly. Let me say allegedly. Right? But it's like, you got blogs, music blogs, and the songs that music blogs post. And Spotify looks at 
the songs that those music blogs post. And then they monitor the activity of the users that are streaming the music that's being posted to the music blogs. So the music blogs are supposed to be on the edge of what's next in music. Spotify looks at what they're posting. They look at what users are streaming those songs. And then they look at what other songs those users are listening to. So if those users are streaming songs from Spotify, from, from blogs, and then the artists that the other artists that they're streaming are blowing up and becoming famous and things of that nature, then Spotify says that this person has great taste. They can pick artists. They know who's going to be next. So they start looking at them to determine which artists to pay attention to, which artists to uh, uh, put on editorial playlists, things of that nature. Now, that person doesn't know that that's happening. And when that artist blows up, what does that person get out of that? They get nothing. They get nothing. Now, they're streaming, they're listening, benefited that artist tremendously because, yeah, it, it made that artist or led to that artist getting an editorial placement. The same thing with TikTok. Somebody do a TikTok of an artist and then that TikTok goes viral and that artist blow up, blow up. And it goes from uh, TikTok to Instagram to, to YouTube to getting on radio stations and music videos and things of that nature. And that artist becomes a star and that TikTok burns out, right? Nobody is doing whatever the, whatever he made the TikTok of, but the song goes on and he had a role in that. But what does he get out of that? Nothing. Now, if those fans had the NFTs of those artists and those artists blew up, then as those artists became more successful and blew up, the value of their NFTs would increase as well. And those fans would have an asset that they could flip and share in the, the value of that artist increasing. Same way with stocks. You buy a stock, Apple becomes a more successful company, the value of the stock goes up. Now give the value, now you can flip your stock for more money. So it kind of like works like that, you know, from a fan perspective. They have that 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 uh 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 benefit. Now again, we don't know whether that's something people really value. Like like fans don't think of collecting music like that. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna buy this and you know, I'm about to make a whole bunch of money when this thing becomes successful. And like, I don't know if fans are thinking like that. Fans just hear songs. They like it. They love an artist. They support them, you know. So I don't know whether that is something that they really value, like whether everything that we're going over here are things that if you present this to music fans, they would say, yeah, yeah, this is something that makes me want to buy an NFT. Now, the other thing with NFTs is the fact that these, these serial numbers, these token IDs, and these contract addresses, they can be used as access passes, effectively, like tickets. The same way a registration number grants you the ability to actually use a software program is the same way these serial numbers, these token IDs, and these contract addresses and things of that nature can permit you to access things like uh, pre-sale concert tickets. So Taylor Swift can do a concert and pre-sale tickets to her concert exclusively to people who hold her NFTs. 
and those people would have to sign in with their wallet address and it was scanned to make sure that those token IDs are connected to the contract addresses that she has. And if there's matches, then they're permitted access and they can buy the tickets early, right? And now the fans get to become the scalpers because the fans can come in and buy multiple copies and you know resell it to anybody else that wants one and things of that nature. So she could reward her fans in that way. She could reward them with like exclusive uh, 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 behind the scenes takes of the creation of the album, you know, exclusive to people who own the NFT. So they work in that sense too as access tokens. Now the challenge for a lot of artists with adding utility, they call it utility, adding utility to their NFTs. The challenge is the fact that artists already give away so much on social media as promotional tools, right? Like promotional things. Like I'm trying to get my music out there. So it's like, well, am I gonna hold a behind the scenes clip for people who hold my NFT when I need content on my social media pages to keep people engaged and looking at me? Like these are things that people are already giving away. And once the precedent is set for people getting stuff for free, you have a hard time transitioning them into paying for it. That's like with Twitter and how Twitter tried to launch like a subscription service where you could subscribe, like people could basically gate their, their Twitter feeds and say, hey, you don't gain access to these tweets unless you pay for it. And people are like, this is outrageous. The first person I see charged for access to, to, to their tweets, I'm unfollowing because it's like people are used to getting it for free. So now trying to force people to, to pay for it, it's going to be a challenge. So if an artist is on social media and they just giving everything away, you know, basically begging for attention through the content, yo, here's me uh, in the studio. Here's behind the scenes footage. Here's a clip of my new song. Here's un, un, um, uh, 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 works in progress. Here's all of these things. Look at me, look at me, look at me. So I can keep you engaged for when I do drop an album or when I do drop this single, then it's like, what is there to gate? and restrict access to for the NFT. There isn't anything. And then the other aspect of it is the fact that, you know, a lot of artists aren't out there touring or even doing local shows. So it's like, that's not something that they can do. If, hey, we're, I'm gonna give you advanced access to these concert tickets. Can't do that if you're not touring or doing local shows. And again, a lot of artists don't have uh, big brands like that so people aren't buying merch because merch is something that you buy when you're connected to the artist like not just like the song but you're connected to the artist unless the song is about something that people can use to express something about themselves then they will buy merch but at the same time it's like you know yeah, it's with merch is a hard sell for a lot of artists. So when it comes to utility, it's a challenge. So more so with new artists that don't have the brands, that aren't touring, that aren't, you know, uh, creating content that they can gate. It's more about, do I feel like this artist has the potential to succeed from the standpoint of somebody who's an investor? Now, from the standpoint of people who are just fans or somebody who comes across you and really likes your music, it's just an added bonus. You know, so it might be something like you might start off initially giving them away. You might do something like, hey, everybody that pre-saves this release, get this NFT for free. Or everybody that buys my song gets this NFT for free, like buys it from Bandcamp or something like that. Now, I've been talking for a while. I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to see what y'all talking about in here. And we're going to get to questions and all of that good stuff, man. 
And I appreciate everybody for rocking out with me, man. You know, and uh, everything, man. Through, through tough times. We got long distance traveler in the building. What's up, my guy? We got Kinsey Babyface. What's good? Long, uh, I'm about to say long distance traveler again. Twice as nice, right? Jeffrey Gaunt. John Alexander. Chronologic. And Brance's Universe was good to everybody that's in the chat. Now, I got a question somebody had sent me, man, on, uh, somebody sent me a question, and let me check it. Before I get to y'all questions and stuff, I'll play his and see what's up. Now, let me see. Hopefully, this thing worked with me. Finally, work with me. Yep, there we go. So I'm gonna play his, his question. And I have put up uh, a link, like it's a link. It should be a link in the chat. No, it's not. Hold on, let me get the, let me grab this link and I'll post it. And anybody that wants to send an audio message to uh, have their question played on air, you can send it, right? Let me see. Hey, it's Oman. First time, long time. What's up? This is Merck, man. I had a question about NFTs. Uh, where can we buy them? And then once we purchase them, where do you store them? Thank you. Okay. So what he wants to know is where he can buy them. Now he wants to know where he can buy NFTs from. Hold on. You want to know where you can buy them from? Well, you can buy NFTs from a lot of different places. You got OpenSea. You got Rarible. You got a bunch of different blockchains that you can buy NFTs from. Uh, it all depends on what works best for you. Uh, things like Ethereum have high gas fees, basically transaction fees. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, you got Polygon, but Polygon has a lot of friction. You got to do a whole lot of rigmarole to buy them. You got Solana, which is a whole, a whole other blockchain, you know, and a whole other ecosystem to kind of buy into. So that leads into a whole, a, a lot of other uh, things to talk about. But yeah, man, I mean, if you want to buy NFTs, you could just go online and look, see if your favorite artist is doing any NFT drops, like like me with Jordan, you know, like Jordan is a pretty big name. So it's like, that's one NFT drop and you got uh, places like uh, uh, Magic Eden for Solana and stuff like that. So there's a lot of places to buy them. Also, people be doing these private drops, right, where they whitelist people and it's effectively a website that you're buying from. And those are the best to kind of get into because you're buying early, which means you're getting it cheaper. And when it secondary market opens up, you'll be able to resell for more than what you bought it for. Now, let me see what y'all talking about in here, man. Let me see what's up. Somebody, some uh, Smart Love Music says, oh, Smart Love Music, I must have missed you, bro. And a shout out, right? He says, uh, what about Playtrack? Are they good to use? Playtrack, I never heard of them. That's a company that I got to use, uh, look up. They, they new to me, man. 
Jeffrey <laughs> Chronologic NFTs are hot garbage Focus on making art first A vinyl is a collectible in my opinion Not a, not a NFT uh, Just my opinion I mean yeah I mean it's, it's all depending on what you're into. You know, different people, pe people collect different things, man. People collect trading cards. People collect a lot of different things. So it's all about what floats your boat. You know, it's not one thing to say, okay, that is something. And then the rest of these things are nothing. You know, it's just about what people are into. So it's like, you might not get the point of cassettes. You might hate cassettes, but some people buy them and treat them as collector's item. You know, like I don't listen to vinyl, but if people want to buy vinyl, I'll press up vinyl and sell it to them because that's what they prefer. So my personal preference has nothing to do with what the fans demand, what the fans demand. I'll supply the demand. That's what they want. Can say Babyface says, yes, I agree. Limited vinyl pressings are like NFTs and Discogs may be the platform to keep up the value of those. I mean, yeah, you got physical, but the whole thing with physical is the cost of producing physical and then storage. And the fact that if they don't sell, then you're just left with a supply of physical that you can't move. And also it's the utility and the fact that the people, they, it's like, yeah, physical, you can flip, but at the same time, you know how big the artist has to become for somebody to be able to flip that and the fact that there isn't really a marketplace that kind of dictates the value of a vinyl record and for you to be able to kind of see okay well how much are these selling for when was the last sale things of that nature so it's it's just more complicated to move with physical than it is something digital Francis universe universe says I also think NFTs are becoming a good way to build your audience. So if you don't have many fans, you could join the different communities and make some. I mean, yeah, there's, there's vibrant NFT communities, man. A lot of these platforms, Mint Songs, they, they, they have open communities that you can join and they're doing things like open mics and stuff like that where you can go and showcase your talent share music and kind of introduce your music to collectors and uh, other artists and maybe form collaborations and things of that nature yeah man kinsey says right i guess a good idea Uh, Kensei Babyface says, right, I guess a good idea for NFTs is to have your customer hold on to have access to exclusive content, sort of like a subscription based. Yeah, I mean, listen, utility doesn't always make sense either, because once somebody has an NFT, if you're saying it's a subscription to something, then they got access to that for life. 
So you're effectively working for free now unless they want to sell out of the community and like sell it effectively, which means you don't really have much of a community. If everybody that's buying to gain access to the community only wants access to sell the access to somebody else, that's not much of a community that you got there. And if they are buying for access to the community, then you have to keep giving them value for people to really feel like, well, it's worth it to buy this NFT. And that is something that happens for as long as they have the NFT, you know? So it's like, that doesn't always make sense. Now, given access to like things like concert tickets or stuff like that, like advanced access, well, they're still buying something. You're just giving them early access or giving them reduced rates. So, hey, you're getting something for cheaper, but you're still buying something. So it works to that extent. But if you're giving anything away and you're saying, hey, well, like an OnlyFans and you're saying, well, rather than doing OnlyFans, I'm going to allow you to buy this NFT and then I'm just going to give away my content to everybody that owns my NFT, then you're losing money doing something like that. Yeah, man. Uh, Jeffrey says, I honestly think right now the whole NFT thing is in, is in a hype stage. I mean, yeah, it's in a hype stage. Everybody is because people are making a lot of money, bro. You know, so it's like people coming out with these 10,000 uh, personal profile picture NFTs and flipping them. Some people flipping them for thousands of dollars. The people who created them are making millions of dollars. So everybody is trying to hype it up because everybody's trying to get in and do it too so they can make a whole bunch of money. Now, at some point, this is going to calm down and everything will kind of like stabilize and the real price will come in play. So right now, it's a novelty type of thing. You know, it's kind of like when computers first came in and people were charging ridiculous amounts of money for computers and when VCRs and DVD players, when those things were like not already household items, they were really expensive, but then they became household items and became really affordable things. So NFTs are kind of kind of going to become the same way. And you already got that now anyway with these other blockchains. So the main blockchain where you find the most expensive NFTs are Ethereum, but you got blockchains like Polygon and Solana where people are selling NFTs for $5, $2, a dollar, and they're, they're, they're not like that expensive. Ah, Kinsey says, are you going to South by Southwest this year? And do you think uh, artists should take part? Yeah, I feel like artists should try to get out and go to as many of these things as possible because everything is based on relationships. It's who you know. So you got to get out there and start meeting the right people because if you, the, one person can change your life, the right meeting. So yeah, you want to get out there, man. Get out shaking hands, kissing babies, uh, taking cards, being able to hit somebody up and be like, hey, we met at that 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 uh, hits people different than being like, yo, man, uh, I saw your video or hey, I'm an artist and you just like inboxing them on Instagram or whatever have you. Uh, MFY rising 
says, uh, how y'all not see NFTs are the new pyramid scheme? I mean, they are and they aren't. Right? Like, I'm going to be honest about it. They are and they aren't. It's like anything else in life. It's the person that's doing it. So it's like, I can go back and I can tell you, hey, people that have sold me music that was hot garbage, where they weren't even trying, right? Like, they stop you on the street. They say, hey, here's my CD, man. Can you buy it for $5 and all this other stuff? You give them $5 of support, you take it home and it's just straight trash. You feel like, oh man, this guy got me for $5. Now you might put a lot into your music and you come to me and you say, hey man, can you buy my $5? Now for me to say, well, these artists ain't even trying. They all putting out garbage because this one guy gave me garbage. That's not so fair. So it's like, it's the same thing. You got people who are building legitimate projects, who are doing legitimate things with NFTs, got valuable utility, or just selling their art and giving people a, uh, uh, something that they can resell, you know, down the line if they so choose. Otherwise, then that it can just be, be them supporting the artists and just having something that they feel like connects them to the artists in some type of way. And then you got other people who are running scams effectively. I got 10,000 uh, stick figures. You guys buy one. And the whole point is for you to sell it to somebody else for more than what you bought it for, for them to manipulate somebody else into buying it for more from them for more than what they bought it for. And it goes on and on and on. And at the end of the day, the guy at the top of the pyramid is making the most money because he's getting a 10% or 20% royalty on everybody in the downline that's reselling to each other, as well as getting all of the money from the initial sales when people bought it in the first place. So yes, it's a, a part of it that is a Ponzi scheme. There is an aspect of NFTs that operates like a Ponzi scheme. The people that do it in that way, but not everybody does it like that. You got legitimate artists that drop NFTs like Nas. Nas did an NFT drop where he gave people a percentage of his royalties. You got a lot of people that just, hey man, they choose to sell their art as NFTs and it's not a scam. So it's, it's not fair to paint with a broad brush and say that because there are scams, then it's all a scam. You know, you got people who are selling stuff on the street where people bought TVs and it was nothing but rocks in there, you know, and then you got other people who are selling things on the street that, you know, stuff that they hand knit and it's not a scam. You can't paint with a broad, broad brush. Yeah, man. Uh, MF Rising says, pyramid scheme because the person at the top, the seller, is the only one making money. The buyers have to generate value. I mean, yeah, most times when it's a scam, the person that, that's at the top make all of the money and everybody else take the hit. Sometimes it's the downline, right? So somebody comes out with an NFT, they hype it up. Hey, this is going to the moon. We're going to make millions of dollars, all of us, right, guys? And they're like, yeah, that's right. We're going to make millions of dollars. And they effectively go out there and tweet, hey, moon, this project is going to take off. It's going to make a bunch of money. And they buy it and it sells out. And then people see, oh, this sold out. So it sold out for $100 a pop. It's going to increase in value. So then those people 
on the secondary market, they, they sell it for $300, $500. And those other people that come and buy it at three dollars $500, they end up taking a hit. Or if they can flip it, then the other people that bought it from them end up taking a hit. So at the end of the day, it might not just be the person at the top that makes the money and everybody takes the hit, but somebody's going to take the hit at some point when it's a scam. But they're not all scams. So it's like the Board 8 Yacht Club is not a scam. They gave people the licensing rights to the apes. And because people had the licensing rights to the apes, you have somebody like G Money go and license his apes to Timberland to form a rap group, license his apes to Adidas to do apparel. And those licensing deals create value for everybody's NFTs. So now everybody has a more valuable asset that they don't necessarily have to sell to extract the value from because you got platforms now that allow you to basically earn interest on your uh nfts so if you got a valuable nft there are places that you can go store it there and they'll pay you interest on the value so you can get 10 percent annual percentage yield on the value of an nft that you store there where the nft is making you money and you don't have to sell it so you got things like that you got platforms that you can put your nfts up as collateral and borrow against the value. So if you got an NFT that's worth $10,000, you can put the NFT there and borrow like $5,000, right? And, and if you don't pay the $5,000 back, they keep the NFT. So there's a lot of different aspects to this whole NFT thing where it's not just about flips. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, whenever whatever people can get over on, people want people gonna get over, you know? Now, what I wanna know is as uh, musicians, we're music fans as well. We listen to music. I don't know how many of you guys buy music, but I'd like to ask that question. Would y'all buy a music NFT? Do you see the point of purchasing a music NFT? Are they something that would motivate you to support an artist by buying one? I'm going to uh, put that as the question for the comment section. But it's time for me to go, good people. I appreciate everybody rocking with me. Right? As always, you guys can hit me up at PayUsNoMind on Instagram, at PayUsNoMind on Twitter. Pay us no mind at gmail.com. This is GIF signing off. Pay us no mind. Peace, good people. One.